Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Astros have proven that, uh, you know, uh, they don't need to cheat to win. Anyway, another World Series. Three and five years. Congratulations to the Houston Astros. I'm so excited to be a fan, and uh, I, I make sure people know that I'm a fan. Still to this day, uh, the only non-player coach to be carted off the field during a, uh, a game, an active game. So I am a record holder at Minute Maid Park. Love you, Astros. For the H, baby. Congratulations. Uh, at this moment, we don't know if we're playing the Doyers or the, uh, the I hopeful, uh, the, the Braves. Ho- I, I want to play the Braves. I, I do not like the Dodgers. I just don't like them. I just, it's kind of like how I felt about Utah back in the 90s. I just didn't, uh, the Jazz, not the state, uh, but I just hated the Utah Jazz back in the 90s. Absolutely hated them and before that the seattle supersonics but now i kind of miss them anyway uh this week i've got polly harrison on she's at wiley up in the dallas area um and you know rather large school but uh she uh came on and leads this well uh, it's like a camp kind of a, a movement type of thing uh just to get kids involved more involved with theater festival type thing but the epic waters theater festival and so that's kind of why I'm releasing this now. I'm not going to lie, uh, pulling back the curtain. I'm She's she's actually jumping a, a ahead a little bit from a couple of interviews that I already have in the can. So uh, those people, you know, you will hear from Charles Falcone and, and Leslie Beezing soon over the next couple of weeks. Uh, leading into, thank you, Thanksgiving coming up. Oh boy, I love me some Thanksgiving. I don't care who you are. It's a fun, fun time. Even... You know, regardless of, of what you believe in, in how all that happened and everything, just the family element, the eating too much, the all that stuff is just, it's just fun. That week off is just really, really nice. But um, so again, uh, congratulations to the Astros. Uh, a couple of other things that have happened over this week and, and a couple of things I just want to talk about, but uh, I am officially going to be directing the show Elf at Class Act Productions. This is my second show to direct really uh to uh, to have a part in directing at least uh, i did how to succeed in business uh years and years and years ago and now i'm doing elf and that comes out in december so i'm really excited it comes out that opens in <laughs> in december it's not a movie uh we've got greece opening up at uh, the john cooper school which is super exciting and i've got to post an, an updated picture of the greece lightning car once we get the decals on, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to do that. But uh, we are doing decals. We're not painting it uh, for s- certain reasons. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Get over it, okay? Uh, the other thing that I'm going to be doing is uh, I we're, we're going to actually produce a third show at the John Cooper School this year. It's only uh, in the past few years they've only done two. So I'm going to take on directing a show myself, which is super exciting and thank you to one Stuart Savage, who's having um, a very unfortunate week. And my heart goes out to you, Stuart. Uh, but uh, he gave me a suggestion of a show. And I looked at it and I was like, girl, this is fun. Plus, I knew about the show. It's One Man, Two Governors, 
that was uh, that had uh, James Corden in it uh, years ago, about a decade ago. I think it was 2011 or so. But um, and so I'm super excited about that. I, I I don't know. You know, well, I'm not the best director in the whole wide world, but I sure do like doing it. And I like faking it. So and I think kids enjoy the process with me. So not to toot my own horn, but it, it's super exciting. And that's what's coming around the river bend here. The other thing I I kind of wanted to discuss was um, there was a debate going on and I'm not gonna I don't want to like start anything but uh it it's a pretty it's such a tech a nerd tech debate but it was are we still calling the parts of you know an XLR cable or a DMX cable or whatever uh a power con are we still calling it uh male and female Uh, or do we call it uh input output or do we call it uh you know different things a turnaround whatever and uh, there was this this, uh, this debate, I'm stuttering for some reason, this debate on that Facebook uh, technical theater educators page. I believe it was that page. They all kind of blend together. but uh, And it was an interesting debate to read. Uh, there are good arguments for changing the terminology. Somebody mentioned even yin and yang. Yin and yang. I'm such a horrible person. Yeah, whatever. You know the, the thing. You know, uh, calling it that, and obviously I'm not because I can't even say it. Uh, the uh, then there were people saying keep it male and female because it's not necessarily referring to something that um, can identify as something else. And it's not slanderous to call somebody male or female. It's just it's slanderous if they identify as um, something else or if they don't identify as one and they identify the, as the other and you make assumptions, those are, that, that's what's offensive and that's, and rightfully so. Uh, but a, an XLR turnaround, uh, can't say, no, 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 I am not actually a male. I'm a female. You, you can't, there's no, there's no argument. There's it's one or the other. I mean, you can't have anything else. There's literally no other option. Otherwise it won't work. It just literally, you won't have sound. You'll be quite disappointed. Um, so anyway, I you know it's an interesting debate. I'd love to hear what people have to say about that. Um, if you if you care, if you even have anything to say about that. As of this recording, uh, the first Junior Thespian Festival has completed uh, at Foster High School in Richmond. I believe they're in Richmond. Uh, Kendra will correct me on that, but uh, it completed at Foster, and it's good to see that stuff back. And we are back in person at festival in less than a month it's great absolutely crazy to think that i'm so excited to go uh, for a couple of reasons one i'm not on that board so i don't have really any obligations i'm helping out uh matt um uh with some of the dj slash voiceover stuff and i'm super excited about that that that's going to be a lot of fun but uh uh I don't really have a whole lot to do. I'm not bringing kids. I'm not, I'm not bringing anyone. So I'm excited just because I'm going to be able to catch up with people and, uh, I'm going to have my recording equipment. I'm going to have my minor wisdom t-shirt on most of the time. Uh, so long as Amy doesn't give me the stink eye, cause I will, I will most respectfully do if she has something for me to do, or if BK has something, I'm going to do it. Cause it's fun. I like doing that stuff. It's not a, you know, find, find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life kind of thing. And that's, that's kind of how I feel on this, uh, Texas thespian experience. Cause I'm not on the, again, I'm not on the state festival board. I'm on the TTEC board. Again, if you are looking to teach a workshop 
at TTEC, or if you haven't even really thought about it, you've got until December 1st to, dis- to sign up, to decide, reach out to me. I'd love to have you. We've, we've got some good people confirmed already, and I'm getting excited about that, but you got to get through the state festival stuff first. So I will most definitely, there's an intentional reason for letting you wait till December 1st because I'm going to be recruiting some people at State Festival. You better believe. You best believe Dusty Rhodes, if you will. Um, so, anyway, enjoy Polly Harrison this week. I'm going to put the link in the chat. The Epic Waters Theater Festival. This is more for the Northerners, you know, not not us Houstonians uh, down here. Uh, but this, you know, you can do it, but it's much more convenient for uh, the northern theater uh, companies, the high school theater companies up north to take part in this. She talks about it. That's why I'm not going into too much detail, but she talks about it towards the end of her interview, her conversation. All right. Enjoy. Have a great week, everybody. I'm originally from Kansas City, but moved to Plano when I was very young, when I was 10. And I grew up in the Plano area and started doing theater immediately. I was very frustrated that in Plano, which I know is actually fairly common around our state, you can't start taking theater until the seventh grade, even though it's a middle school that has sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So the sixth graders, we all had to choose a music to take or an art or a sport or something like that. But the theater was only available to seventh and eighth graders, which I thought was devastating and would stunt me for life. I was just sure of it. Um, but I finally did take theater in seventh and eighth grade and I loved it. And then I went on uh, in high school to do not just theater. My teacher was Carla Ford, who was still my mentor and a very good friend. But I also did speech competitions, which at that time, uh, the Orland Terp side, the acting side was very um, prolific. We had lots and lots of tournaments that we went to and lots of opportunities to hone our craft and work on the same piece over and over again. Really taught me how to be a good um, person in auditions, how to present yourself and then sit down, how to find good literature, Uh, I enjoyed that. So I was able to do both of those things all the way through high school. My mother was a teacher. She was not a theater teacher, but she was a teacher. And I knew from a young age that I probably didn't have the temperament to pursue theater as a profession. I, I didn't want to fight for my next role all the time. I didn't want to fight for my next job. I didn't think I had it in me but I did feel like I wanted to engage as an educator. So I'm not a frustrated performer who took a path into teaching that way. I knew early on that I would be a teacher. So I went to Austin College in Sherman because at that time, teachers in the districts around me as a high school student were asking teachers to get a master's degree and to have it within five years of being hired. And Austin College still offers a five and a half year bachelor's master's programs for teachers. And I thought that that was the quickest, most efficient way to satisfy what would likely be a career requirement. So I chose it for the education and not for the theater department, even though I was a theater major. And um, got so much out of that school, made so many good friends, many of whom are educators as well because it was an education-focused school, so theater educators that went to that school with me. 
And then when I finished my education, got my master's, immediately came back, started teaching in Plano. And I've taught in Plano and McKinney. And I've been in Wiley now eight years. Wow. So how, how many years total have you uh, been behind the desk, if you will, been teaching? Behind the desk. Um, I think this is 16th okay. year, 16th year, but I did take off 10 years. Oh. I have three children. I have twins and an, a younger boy, uh, okay. four years younger than them. And so I stayed home until the youngest one was in kindergarten. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Twins. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> Do twins, that. Are twins a thing in your family? or No, no. Yeah. I was just getting punished for something. I don't know what I did wrong, but <laughs> apparently they just thought. I mean, I didn't know that I would be a stay-at-home mom. I hadn't really decided right. that that's what happens. But when you're pregnant with twins and you do the math on a teacher's salary, especially a theater teacher's salary, you're just pretty much working to pay the daycare right. if you do a daycare. So that pretty much forced my hand at that point. Um, but I didn't leave because I wasn't enjoying my job my students or my profession. Right. And I was glad to be able to get back to it. And my kids um, in a happy accident have all gone, been to school with me. Okay. So it's been nice to, to have them in school. Okay. Right. Good for you. Yeah. That's really cool. I, uh, we're about to experience our oldest going through at least one of our departments, either my, my wife's or mine. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but uh uh, I, I think she'll be okay. She better be, or she'll be grounded every day. Um, I know. Did, That's the thing. It's harder on them, I think, in some <laughs> ways. But I've been glad because two of my three boys, I've got all boys, two of the three of them are, went through my program. The other is a musician and played in the pit for the musical. Got it. So been in the program, but he didn't take classes. None of them have been in my class. Um, I've got two other colleagues in my program, and they've all been in their other people's classes, and right. they've chosen a technical theater direction in the department so I've not had that discussion on casting now they've they've had to fight it out for technical roles we have right. a pretty well-developed technical program um, but I wasn't the one making those choices so I think that was good for all of us yeah sure what yeah. uh so you just mentioned that you have two other directors with you so um what are some of the positives and then I want to also know some of the negatives and I might be able to lead you into this a little bit because I just had a conversation yesterday with actually somebody about uh, the positives and negatives of a large department, but we were talking about college, not high school. So uh, what are some of the gives and takes, I guess, if you will, of having such a large department? Um, so the benefit of a large department um, is that I do have the numbers to hire additional directors and that you can find people who complement your skill set and fill in the gaps with which you are unable to sort of feel confident in. And the kids can work with different personalities, different strengths, weaknesses, things like that. So as, as I mentioned, my boys have learned so much in my program and they really haven't gotten it from me. They've gotten it from the colleagues that we've been able to work with. Um, I think if I had a negative is that I feel, and I, and I feel, I think this is my own doing. So I should preface by saying, I know there's a way out of it. I just haven't taken it. Is that I feel this pressure to um, provide for all of the students in the program in some capacity to meet them where they are. I do not, we're too big. We don't have plays where everybody gets a part. We don't have plays where all the people who apply for tech get a role. 
we don't have frustrated actors as technicians. We just don't. You, they, it's big enough of a program where you could pick your focus, hone your skills and move in that direction. But I do have a feeling of remorse for the kids that don't get to be in everything. And I try to find additional opportunities um, for them. For example, we do this, everybody on our campus has the same lunch, which is kind of shocking considering it's such a big campus. But, um, and I, we do this thing called brown bag theater where we take the sort of not the highest classes and not the very big intro classes, but the middle classes, the theater two, the theater three, those classes. And they will work on a show for four to six weeks and then present it for, at lunch for anyone who wants to bring their lunch in and can enjoy a play. And we do really silly stuff. It's not thought provoking and it's not going to make you think, it's going to make you laugh and it's supposed to be silly. And they love it and, and it's good for them. And those are the kids who don't always get a part. And so in many ways it's a success and I can hang my hat on how great that is. But the, this is where the negative comes in. It stretches me very thin to direct those plays and then the, the one after school and then worry about the next musical audition, worrying about the, I mean, you know, I have five preps. So worrying about that and the grading. So I just have this feeling that I have to continue to provide for each of them in some regard. Uh, a, a production experience if if they want it and it it's um it's very time consuming right yeah no that's i mean good for you energy I, as you're drinking something out of your cup <laughs> it's not enough i'll tell you that whatever it is it's not yeah it's, i get it i get it uh -huh. this was the first year that uh my wife and i have started making 10 cups of coffee in the morning to split rather than eight so we're yeah, you, know, you buffed it up. Needing, needing the energy. Uh, so you, you have the. You said you kind of have the paths for technicians, actors, and such. And I'm assuming, uh, you know, directors and you know, student directors and stuff. But do you ever let kids switch that uh, are not happy with what they chose? Yes. Yeah. In fact, if I, you know, you set goals for yourself as an educator, and you think the good news about our profession is we kind of restart every year. Yeah. So you, this is. Okay, this year I'm going to get better at this. This year I'm going to get better at this. Um, one of my goals the last couple of years has been to continue to encourage those who want to pursue this as a career path to be on both tracks, to be in both of the classes, learn from all three directors. We also hire um, an additional um, technical support director that comes in during our largest productions and um, to work with him as well, to work with that company and be sure that you don't pigeonhole yourself. Some kids don't have room in their schedule for that. Anybody in the program can audition or interview for any position. What we don't have is, okay, now we've posted the cast list, so we'll do the crew in a couple of weeks. And if you didn't make cast, you can do this. You can do, you can interview and audition all that same week that we're deciding stuff. Yeah. And you can tell us which one you prefer, but those decisions are made at the same time. So yeah, good. Uh, yeah but good, really good quality theatrical students that we release into the wild will yeah. have taken from both of us, all of us at some point probably. Uh, what is, what is Wiley's mascot? I, I could look that up. My crack research team. Right. No. Yeah. It's a pirate. doesn't make any sense. Uh, has there been like a movement to make it a coyote? I mean, I just feel like that. <laughs> <I feel like> <laughs> no, but I should tell you. So um, we have this just ridiculous rally cry that we have to explain all the time. Um, about uh, 30 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, our coach um, 
football head football coach was taking his team all the way to state. I uh, was in that process of, you know, the next game, the next game. And he was watching the tonight show, Johnny Carson yeah. and Tom Dresden, which is a comedian. He's still alive, but he was pretty young. Then he, he used to open for Sinatra and he came on and said that when he was growing up, he remembered that everything in his house was about Amo and Carson was like, Amo. And he goes, yeah, you know, like my mom would say, I'm going to kick your butt if you do this and I'm going to beat you up and whatever. So our coach went back to the team and was like, that's our rally crime. I'm going to kick your butt. So they did that and they won state. And so A-H-M-O, Amo, was the rally cry until it died off, I guess, at some point. Coach right. got a new job, whatever. But, so then recently, in the last 10 or 15 years, it was resurrected. And now it's trademarked and it's literally on everything. Wow. And um, has nothing to do with the pirates. It's kind of like uh, Houdat and Houday. Yeah. Like Houdat Nation and Houday Nation. That's it just came out of no came out of it's nowhere it's, it's all done yeah. <laughs> yeah tom dresden actually came to the school because he was so excited about how really <laughs> wow and was he he wasn't mad that he didn't trademark it <laughs> no no yeah but you get your hand slapped if you try to put it on something and don't go the proper channels and you're like really it's it's kind of like uh uh it's kind of like ut with their specific burnt or you know like they've trademarked that color so yeah yeah whatever. big business this school mascot right yeah education uh so you just i saw that you just did epic proportions huh Mm -hmm. you did it outdoors yeah so um this is another thing this is um so last year my district was like we are going guns a blazing into production and um uh we were told that our production season was the same Uh, there would be masks and there would be social distancing in the audience and whatnot but that if sports were moving forward so were the arts and I, I will confess that I originally thought that's ridiculous. And then I thought, well, they're, I'm glad they think of us the same way they think of, the sport, of athletics, you know, that they weren't on the back burner, that they were worried about our students and our kids. Anyway, so I said, well, if we're going to do that, the first show needs to be outdoors because we're all kind of figuring our way back. And our community has a professional amphitheater. And it was like, very it was very difficult to figure out how to reserve it how to use it they've never had a play out there how to get the equipment out there how to mic everyone how to light everything with the trusses and all i mean it's it's a it's a thing and we did it and everybody loved it <laughs> so now i have to do it again so i was like okay we'll do it again and i couldn't find a script because you can't leave a set out there you have to take it down every time also, you never really think about wind when you're designing a set, and it's a thing. And so we were like, well, Epic Proportions takes place, you know, on a movie set, and it's all kind of poorly done. So, some, like, our camera kept blowing over, the movie camera. So they just included that in the business, and um, we just strip it down to its essence and then make it more about the props and the costumes and about the, and the lights and the sound and about the set. And yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty exhausted. Don't know that I'm going to do it again. Yeah, that show is very involved as far as the director's concerned. Uh, you know, tech, technically speaking, you can you can kind of pare it down, but ooh boy, that that show is uh, comedic timing very, and all yeah, of that. Yeah, very exhausting. Well, you know, it's funny because when I first read it, somebody had sent me a PDF of it, mm-hmm. just to you know, you're still perusing stuff, whatever. And I read it, and I was like, "Is that it?" <laughs> it was. It wasn't a one act, but it wasn't not a one act. Yeah. You know, like like. So I flipped back to the first 
page to kind of read like did I somehow get a weird cutting or you know yeah I found my friend from high school's name in the credits from Broadway <laughs> and so I text him and I'm like were you in epic proportions on Broadway and he was like yeah that was my first show on Broadway I was like okay quick question is it really short <laughs> he said yeah 90 minutes no intermission I was like, yeah Maybe yeah it's better it, it won state uh probably 15, 14, 15 years ago, uh, uh, just a f- hilarious version of it. Now, and I tried to duplicate it w- when I was, uh, at Dulles, we, we did it and it wasn't, it wasn't duplicated. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> as successful. <laughs> no, there was, it was still funny, but it wasn't, uh, just didn't have the right people, but I was like forcing myself to do it. So, cause I just, That's I fun. had to, and now, well, and now I, you, good. You know, shows like that, you always forget cause you're, when you read it, you laugh out loud and yeah. you're like, this is great. And you can picture them doing it. And then you're in it and you're like, this blows. Like everything about this is terrible. And yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. And and then you get out there and then they did it and it was hysterical. Yeah. And the audience is rolling. And I thought, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> this is funny. Yeah. It seems it, like you're doing a quite uh, comical season this year because I'm looking at your Facebook page and it's screaming SpongeBob at me. So <laughs> it's good Lord. And you know, what's weird about SpongeBob is that I, you know, we just did Les Mis. Yeah. Similar, um, similar shows. Very similar. Similar show. Yeah, very yeah, similar yeah. in scope yeah. and feel. Um, yeah. And when that's sort of, I'm sure most educators feel this way, but I, I don't have the luxury and you don't have the luxury of sticking to what we do well or what we like. When I graduate students and I'm, I want them to have had a variety of experiences and sort of taste tested the world of theater before they get out into the world. And most will not choose to do theater and, you know, as a career, but even those that do can say, you know, I've done this kind of show and this kind of show, this kind of show and, and what have you. So I, I try to swing away from something when we've done it to something different. And Les Mis, it, we loved it. It was for, for a COVID show. We just found it to be very successful with the kids that we had were very boy heavy in our program. And they were just such strong vocalists, but it pretty much dictates how it's going to go. You're not going to turn Les Mis on its head and like update it and set it in Seattle or, you know, whatever you it, it, it tells you how to tell that story. I liked the idea that SpongeBob when the amateur rights were released is that it hadn't been done, but just by a few people and that it offered just, tremendous technical opportunities to reimagine and it doesn't have a footprint that's seen everywhere by everyone now that the cartoon does but the the piece doesn't so we picked it and we thought we were being all great and then now everyone's doing it i don't yeah. know if everyone's doing it down by you but everyone's doing it I, I don't know about everyone but there are quite a few people doing it i think it's very ambitious uh especially if you don't have like i don't want to see some small uh 50 seat theater with you know 12 kids on stage doing spongebob you know like it's got to be that's one of those that you you have to have the the resources and the manpower behind it to to be able to pull that off because oh, i agree we were yeah we were just talking the designers and i were just talking um this weekend as we're watching the play you know what's the next or what you know about um how to turn the theater into an immersive experience and how we're going to hang the things from the auditorium ceiling and when they walk in, they're going to feel, I mean, so it's, it's enormous, but in this capacity, my attempt was to satisfy the technicians and give them something huge to tackle. We've never had a larger technical department than we do today. And you know, these things ebb and flow. 
And so I wanted to give them the chance to swing for the fences sort of. Uh, I am, however, exhausted at the thought of all of it. So I'm sort of wondering how it's gonna all go. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, when is it? Uh, January 20th to okay. the 26th. That kind of, that sweet spot of a time, right right before you get ready for your one act play. <laughs> you know, my um, our sister school here in, in Wiley, yeah. um, Wiley East High School, they do their musical in the fall. She just, she did it the same weekend that we did Epic Proportions. And I get so jealous sometimes when she's got that out of the way. She does a show in January, but it's not a musical, you know, and she can layer both, you know, still work on one act while still getting this other show up. Um, but I also like that I have several more months to kind of get a feel for my performers and my vocalists and kind of get them up to speed. But boy, she's got that done now. I'm just like, wow. You've already done your musical. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a we, we. I've done that once where I did the musical early and uh, kind of get it out of the way. It it is nice, but it's also like all that stress <laughs> right at the beginning, right at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I guess if you take if you're smart and you take the summer to plan things, but I didn't do that. Uh, so yeah. you know, yeah, why do that? Well, and we use we use our um, our band is in, is the pit. We have yeah. a live pit every year and we have the choir directors are our musical directors and they just were like no yeah. I mean that wasn't really a discussion they just said there's no way we could put this on top of football right. with the band and the musical directors are all busy doing all region and all that stuff and stuff for us it, it wouldn't work that in Wiley East they um use a track yeah. so they didn't worry so much about um, a live pit but. when uh switching topics a little bit when you came back after your uh kind of 10-year sabbatical if you will uh, mommy sabbatical. Um, did you feel the same kind of nerves that you felt on your first day of your first year? Um, it was the same kind of nerves, but it was for different reasons. When I first started teaching and walked into the classroom, I was nervous about I was, girl, I didn't know what I didn't know, first of all, but I also was nervous about the students. How would I relate to kids? And you know, I was only 23 and my students were, some of them were 18 and how I would be the boss and in charge. Um, I was pretty confident I knew the subject matter. I had been living and breathing it for five, uh, five years in school, especially. So when I came back from staying home with my boys, I sort of had the opposite. I felt like the kids were just not a problem that I could manage, but I wondered where we were in literature and where we were in our field. Um, just like everything, uh, and, and you probably know this more than most, uh, theater, our corner in our niche of education has trends and it has directions that we go and things that are acceptable now and they weren't then, or things, pieces that we're not doing anymore. Um, I remember my first year back, I suggested some pieces to um, some kids that were auditioning for college that I were really just dated. Like we hadn't people, it's not that they weren't doing it, it's that too many people have been doing them for years and I just didn't know that. I also, we took headshots my first year back and they were black and white because that's the way they were when I stopped teaching. And even though you, it's legitimate, headshot can be black and white we now have such better digital photography and so color are really more 
preferable. So I had to play catch up quite a bit and I had to read a bunch of literature and make sure that I was staying abreast of what we had, where we had come in our um, field of interest so that I could be the best I could be to the kids. And I still don't know that I've caught up entirely. I don't know how to catch up entirely, but um, it is my, it is always on, on my plate. Right. That is a, something I need to work on. Did you do anything theatrical, like to get your artistic juices satisfied and flowing while you were gone for 10 years? I didn't. In okay. fact, um, entertained the thought of not coming back. Okay. Um, it wasn't because it, it had a bad experience, but I got so far from it. Right. I began to question whether I could do it or should do it. And I questioned what that schedule would look like with young children. Um, so I, while I was home with kids, I was hired as a spokesperson for a parenting organization. And it was just very part-time, yeah. but I would do things like appear on, like on the television interview, if they needed to interview someone about the program or um, go speak somewhere, if they needed someone to speak. For them and um i started thinking that there were ways to use these skills in a more corporate way sure. and we could maybe sort of get actual money <laughs> and, you know or negotiate a salary or um not work at the same time the kids are in school like i always the first day of school when I, as a person now in my eighth year has always been when the boys were at school with me rushing to get them to where they need to go and then to be where i need to go and what they need to have i mean it's yeah but it might be nice to do all that. Yeah. I didn't do that. <laughs> you didn't, you went back. <laughs> I definitely went back. To <laughs> uh, so what is, uh, what is something you, um, do, do you have a goal? Do you have a goal in mind right now? Like of like, before you are done, I want to make sure I do A, B and C or A and B or you just flowing. I mean, you know, I don't know if I have a, I'm, I'm asking the question without an answer of my own. Cause I don't, I don't know if I have a goal necessarily. I, it changes almost monthly of what I, right. where, where I want to be. Well, that's true. I, I don't think I have a long-term goal. Yeah. Uh, I've seen some discussions in our public forums for our career. Um, our colleagues would say like, I have a bucket list that I want to do or whatever. Um, I've long ago, I've set aside doing shows I like because that's not kind of irrelevant. I just do it based on who I have in the program at the time and what, what we need to see accomplish and attempt. So bucket list in that regard wouldn't do me any good as it pertains to what, whether it would work for the kids. I do challenge myself every year to try something different and to give them an experience that maybe we haven't had before. Travel a different place. Um, try a different, um, one year we uh, participated in an autism benefit on Broadway and performed on the Wicked stage. So one year we went to London. There are things that that are a real giant pain in the took us to put together. And, but I, I think if the kids could be excited about something new or something different or a different field trip or a different opportunity or a different something, this thing at the park last year was, was, was that, you know, we're gonna perform at a professional venue offsite. Um, those are my goals. So I guess I have more like minor goals. So at yeah. the end of the year, I think, how is next year going to look and feel familiar, but have its unique challenge? What is this challenge and what will we accomplish? All of my goals are minor goals too. Just, you know, it's just, 
just the story of my Survive. life. Yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. Uh, have dinner. Yeah, yeah. have have dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep keep my daughters uh, from scratching each other's eyes out. That kind of thing. Right. You know? Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. that's a good goal. Uh, so yeah, it sounds a lot like what I do is is almost annual goals. It's uh, you know try something different, try something new, and like that outdoor thing. We we did an outdoor thing. Uh, the actually the year of that we all shut down, but it was before all of this started. It was like early in the fall semester. We we did mm. uh, uh, the tempest outside and perfect, um, but had no that was we weren't doing it outside because of some pandemic. We just thought, well, the tempest is a storm, and uh, so if it rains, then we called for it. It was part of the show. Yeah. There so, we go. Yeah, the, but that was one of my things I wanted to do. I wanted to do an outdoor show and we did it. Now it's now everybody, now it's the cool thing to do. So yeah, I like to think I started the trend. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because it is a very legitimate form of our art. Uh, Kids will, our students that pursue this will most likely end up in an outdoor show somewhere doing summer stock somehow. Um, Dealing with the challenges of setting up, taking down the weather and all that. But speaking from a I get much, the audience reaction to being outdoors is amazing. Yeah. They have, that's, that's the reason to do it. The kids are kind of, I mean, they like it now, but they've done it twice. But the audience bring into their own picnic. Yeah. I have no idea what is in the Yeti cups, but they bring those in as well. <laughs> and they sit on these chairs that they bring from home or blankets or something. And yeah. it, it, we've lucked into great weather each time. It's been like 78 degrees, no, you know, no rain. And They'll sit and watch anything yeah. for us, and they'll think it's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's uh, when I was with Straight No Chaser, we did outdoor shows in the summer, which wasn't always the greatest thing in the world as far as location, depending on where you were. But if you were like, we did some stuff up in the Northeast, and they were the most fun. Those shows were the most fun because we were just outside all day. Those guys weren't uh, spoiled brats, but uh, you know we were <laughs> we were outside setting up all day, and you're just it's just a different feeling, and the audience likes it. You know they just feel a little bit more free. They have more control over what they have around them, stuff like that. So it's uh, and and humans like control. So uh, it's it's yeah, outdoor stuff is I think a a good thing to introduce high school students to. Um, well, and it taught my technicians. I mean, we, we can't leave anything at the park. Yeah. We had to bring it and bring it in. So they set up trusses and lights and sound and mics and everything all, every day. Yeah. We rehearsed four days and performed two out the park and took it down each time. I mean, they just pretty much were roadies. Yeah. And that was an experience. We don't, I mean, you know, you set it up once at school. Yeah. And then when the show's done, you take it down. So it's been that, that for their experience, I think learning over and over again how this piece of equipment works how to troubleshoot it take it down okay how does this piece of equipment work how to tr- yep. you know i it's um it's an unexpected sort of benefit i think so also anyway. yeah as a, as a lighting person if you don't have the opportunity to uh focus or see any of your lights during the nighttime learning how to do that when the sun is out and competing with you or not really competing with you it's winning uh, most of the, yeah, yeah 99.9% of the time, the sun is, is, is going to win that competition, but, uh, that's good. That, that was, uh, those kind of things are always fun. Those experimental type things. Do you kind of feel that that's going to be a theme that, that doing these outdoor shows, I know you said that people liked it and you're going back to, or you went back to do epic proportions. Is that going to be now, a uh, a, a 
an annual event? Or are you going to try to do this every couple of years? Or what do you think? That's sort of, that's the discussion we had um, yeah. over dinner after the show on uh, late dinner with the directors on Saturday night. Um, I don't know. It's our choice. The district doesn't, you know. They're not making you. Away. But there, there's so many unique challenges to that place. Like I have to rent porta potties. Uh-huh. Them, the kids are um, because there's no bathrooms for them back there. And the yeah. ones that are public are the opposite of performance space. Um, managing how to get those, I don't even know what they're called, those big giant metals posts out of the drive so that you can pull your stuff in is yeah. a big thing. It's open everywhere. So getting people to pay you to sit down is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, you have to, oh, you're already sitting? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so all of this is just enormously complicated. But then you look at the audience and they're, and the kids feel like they have accomplished the greatest human feat that there ever was because the feedback they're getting is so genuine and it's so supportive right. because they're having such a good time. So then you're like, okay, well, maybe we could find a better. So we were thinking, okay, if we did it again, what could we do better? What would make more sense and how to make this work? Um, and so I think we're still in that, like yeah. share a Google doc amongst us, put in some notes and then table it until we have to come up with the new season next year and then decide whether it's worth going back. Right. Don't have all that lighting and sound equipment. Um, we have to rent it and we have to have a professional come over and help us with it. And so that's an added expense to a fall show you don't normally have. Yeah. Um, last year, the district helped us with it, um, with that expense because they knew we were attempting to work within the parameters of COVID. And this right. year they were like, okay good luck yeah yep. we like the park too well, <laughs> yeah, we'll, see, we'll see you there and we're not going to pay yeah. for it what right. uh what kind of weight do you guys put on one act play uh, like what's the what's the type of importance it, it it has at that school um quite a bit i would say yeah. um gosh it's hard to quantify um i try super hard to let them know that in a program the sizes are of ours the 20 people involved in this one show don't define the success or failure of a department and um i think they get that sort of but um the kids that are in it the 20 are going to live and die by this thing um as you can imagine so it's made me up my game quite a bit i used to be the type that would get a feel for the year and see how the kids were doing and then pick a piece that suited us in like october or november maybe so now I don't do that. Now I make sure I know who's going to be involved from the previous year. I mean, I choose a group back then if they become my performance class. And then I choose a piece over the summer. Um, and then we work it. This year's piece is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which is actually written by Rona Monroe. It's yeah. called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Yeah. And um, we have, they've read it. They each have a copy of it. And I've told them that their class is not just one act, that that can't be the focus of our entire year. It's not what we're gonna do and it's not productive, but we are doing Frankenstein Fridays. So every Friday we do activity. So it's dramaturgy, it's commanding image, it's play analysis. Um, Pretty soon we're gonna start auditions probably in mid to late November, Uh, but they will be more familiar with the scope of the literature and the piece and the background of the playwright and things like that because we will have touched on it throughout the year. I put a lot of weight on it, less out of a competitive sense, although I'm as competitive as anybody, so I'm yeah. not going to pretend it's not meaningful. But I think it's one of the few shows we do 
well, it's the only show we do in the year that you can put up and take down and put together and take apart. And by the time you're done, they know it inside and out, backwards and forwards. And they understand the background, the literature, the playwright. The, and in our case, like we did Amadeus last year, they knew the history of Mozart. They come out knowing this thing more that, than ever. And they have a chance to really hone their skills. Everything we did of Epic Proportions this weekend, we did two shows. Yeah. That'll be it. And all the stuff, I, I don't even give notes on shows like that after they open, because what's the point? Yeah. You've opened. Um, but for one act, they, it's, a, it's an opportunity for artists to continue to work on something and, and try something new. It gives them permission to try something new. And it, I invite them into the process as collaborators from an early step in an early place. Whereas for a larger show for the musical, I can't have a bunch of students offering to collaborate with me. Yeah. I have a team of directors and I need to get this going on a deadline, but with the one act, I invite them in and I ask them opinions and thoughts. I don't invite them in on title selection. Um, I'm not good at that. Uh, and I don't necessarily get feedback there, but once it's chosen, I ask them to contribute and bring me what they found. And I am constantly amazed by what it is that they yeah. discover, dig up and op and things that they suggest. So yeah, I guess I should, important but not for the competitive reasons maybe yeah no that's good for the i mean for the process really uh have you ever cast uh two casts or had uh multiple like a ver a, a lot of understudies that could potentially move up or that perform I, I talked to somebody i don't now i don't remember who but they had uh and shame on me i should remember but I've done a lot of these now, uh, but they had <laughs> they had two casts, and they would have a zone cast, a district cast, and then that zone cast would do by district, and that district cast would do area. I'm not. I think that's very abnormal. I don't think that's common, but I do know that there are quite a few people that will have. You know, we did. Um, uh, oh shoot! Uh, oh, last days of Judas Iscariot, and uh, we had a two Jesuses and we are a Jesus. I don't know. That's not the right way, but anyway, but, uh, we, in, in, yeah, yeah, thank you. And so <laughs> we would, whoever was feeling it that week, that's who performed, you know, whoever we saw was kind of up and ha had their mind ready and stuff like that. We just, we put that player quote unquote in, we did a very sports like mentality where, uh, best, best player takes the role. Um, have you ever done something like that or with, with such a large department? You know, I haven't, I don't, I don't know that I'm opposed to it. I don't know that I'm any good at it. And one thing we have to do as um, educators is we have to recognize our, not only our strengths, but our weaknesses. And it's my job to continue to, to chip away at those weaknesses. I don't want the kids to suffer because I, um, I attempted something I don't really know how to do well. Sure. And I think that I would definitely default to one cast, one group, one person. I've done the double casting, especially in summer camps. Stakes are low, pretty, pretty much. And you're trying to, you know, I, at that point, I am including everybody because yeah. it's summer camp. Um, and I've done the double casting then. And I feel like a, one cast always gets the short shrift. Somebody's always, you know. Um, having said that, uh, we do always have understudies um, for kids that sit on the bench. Basically, they become our dramaturgs and they become experts on the piece who could easily step in at any time. They don't uh, specifically understudy a specific role. They are understudies. And if necessary, then they're up and they're very familiar with the piece. But I haven't 
ever assigned them specifically a role. And I, I think that's a good idea. I just don't think I'm any good. So switching topics a little bit again, you mentioned the Epic Waters uh, Theater Festival. Um, I want you to speak on that a little bit. It's I, I, I'm assuming that's just a coincidence that you did Epic Proportions and this is called <laughs> Epic Waters. Epic stuff. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. should see my emails. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't you can't search for the word Epic right now because it's nah, just gonna yeah. God bless. Uh, yeah. But I want you to talk about. Uh, I know this is for kind of younger kids, right? Uh, 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 sort of a, a younger age, get them started. Um, it but, is. Yes. So thank you for asking this. Aside from everything that we've talked about, I have been sort of on a quest for an opportunity for theater programs for a while. Like I mentioned, when I was, I'm so being from Dallas, Fort Worth, I really can't speak to the state as a whole, although I'm, I'm wondering if maybe this isn't something that's happening all over. But in Dallas, when you can't sign up for theater until the seventh grade, with exceptions, there are a few exceptions a ton, um, you must choose a music. And so, or I guess you could choose art. There's some people that choose art, but performers have got to choose music. And so they choose a choir or band. And these music programs are very well organized. They're supported by their high school directors in a way that theater directors haven't yet figured out uh, across the board. They have private music teachers and they have convinced their parents of these students that private lessons are important to the progress and development of their young musicians. And they're not wrong. And they get that support. But they also know that they need to retain students and keep them interested. So ever since I was in school, they take them off sites to festivals or contests that have a kinesthetic component. And when I was growing up, it was Sandy Lake Park in Dallas. It was infamous. You would stay in the music program because you knew that you were going to Sandy Lake Park that year. Sandy Lake Park wasn't just a park. It had rides and there was picnic foods and you got judged or clinicked by very forgiving judges that are supposed to be there. They're there to sort of you know boost you, support you. They're not there to tear down these sixth and seventh grade choirs. So you left feeling like an amazing musician because you had this extraordinary trophy and you ran around all day and you got to go on this Ferris wheel and these bumper cars and these, and you had food. And then you came back to school and all of your friends that weren't in music were like, you guys got to go and do that during the school day. And you were like, uh, yeah, I did. And then you were looking and keeping your fingers crossed for the time to do it the next year. And so what our music friends have done, at least in this area, is that they've They've dangled a carrot to a child to keep them involved. But more importantly, as it relates to brain development, they've given seventh grade boys a kinesthetic activity that they connect to development of music. And that, I say seventh grade boys, I, I needed it too. So I wasn't a boy. But those are the kids that are the hardest to kind of stay engaged. That's why athletics becomes such a, a big program at that age because it's kinesthetic because they're up and moving um in some theaters and i won't speak for all junior highs but in some junior highs by the time you get to seventh and eighth grade you also get to go on a field trip and usually it's to a play and 
while I like to go to plays, and I assume that you like to go to plays, the seventh grade boy who had to get dressed up that day to go watch a play isn't necessarily going to go, yes, I'm going to do this now forever. I'm staying in this because next year we get to go to a play again. They don't necessarily make that connection, I don't think. I think sometimes it works, but I think what it does in actuality is it reinforces those who are already deciding to pursue theater as an interest. And that has value too. But I'm talking about those kids who haven't discovered their art form yet. They don't have a place yet. They don't know where they wanna be. So I have been blessed, and I mean blessed because I know it's not always the case, to work with music departments on, I think every high school I've worked at where I got along with them and we were friends. And when we did the musical, it was a blast because these were my, my peers, my friends. We weren't competing with each other. We were supporting each other. If we found uh, you know, a student in each other's programs that would be better suited in the others, we would help get them moved there or also enroll them. Um, I feel very blessed. So I've been able to watch sort of from afar how these kids have remained engaged uh, and what sparked their interest from an early age. And right before, so my child, my son, who's now a freshman in high school, when he was in seventh grade, he didn't take theater, he took choir. And he liked it, that's fine. He's not a vocalist, but he liked it. But when he came home with the permission slip to go to the Epic Waters Music Festival, you would have thought that he won the lottery. He was so excited. Mom, we are gonna go sing at a festival at the Epic Waters Music Park, I mean, Epic Waters Water Park, and we're gonna play at the water park the whole day. And it's indoors. And so I've never been there and it's exciting. And um, it really got me thinking, why do we not have anything like that in theater? There's no kid running home with a permission slip going, this is this kinesthetic activity that I'm gonna do that is special and unique. So I started talking to my junior high theaters who are, our programs are pretty big. We are not a, a district that's necessarily suffering. Um, and we have a very supportive administration, um, very supportive. But I started talking to my junior high teachers this summer and I said, I can't stop thinking about the fact that the look on my child's face when he came home and what are you seeing on your own campuses? When you take them to see a play, are you getting the same excitement? They're like, no. And they said, and you should see when the kids who are going to that music festival at the water park come to school, they come to school in shorts and t-shirts with their bathing suit underneath. And they're walking around, everyone knows they're going. It's the biggest recruitment tool in the world because the whole school knows that these select kids are about to go to a water park on a Tuesday. And they, you know, that it's, incredible. They said they get so many kids who go that the theater teachers even go as chaperones, but there's no theatrical component. I was like, that's so strange. And so when we sit, our district has only five secondary schools or a big district, but small amount of campuses. And when all the secondary arts teachers get together for one day every year at professional development, we spend a couple an hour or so introducing ourselves. Hello, my name is Polly Harrison, director of theater at Wiley High School. This is what I did this summer or whatever. And I've been watching it and all of our junior highs have multiple 
band teachers, they have multiple choir teachers, and they have one theater director. And there is nothing stopping my district from hiring a second one if there were numbers and there just aren't any. So that's when I got together with the music festival people. And I said, what are you doing? And they started telling me about it and how it works. And I went out to Epic Waters Water Park and I said, what does it look like when you host a music festival here? And I walked around and what I discovered was a couple of things. Very specifically, the Epic Waters Water Park has a theater, a professional theater at their facility, which is mind blowing. There are music festivals at Hurricane Harbor and there are music festivals at NRH2O also. But this facility is unique in that it has a professional space that looks and feels special and unique to our kids also, which is great. What I didn't wanna do if we did something for theater here was I didn't want to task junior highs with having to come with something they've prepared. It doesn't make sense for our junior highs to load up their one acts, for example, and come out there and be clinicked. It's too much, they're not gonna do it. It's hard enough for them to do it to compete. It's a whole different thing to make the junior highs come to clinic for that. And I don't know that the seventh grade boy in this scenario wants to come out and do a monologue at a monologue festival. The prep is going to be enough to turn everybody away. So I did some brainstorming and thought, well, you know, improv requires no prep. So what if we got professional improv instructors of which I am not? Again, I mentioned earlier, you should know your weaknesses. This is not a skill. I could teach you the rules of improv, but the nuance and all of those uh, things that require really understanding the craft are beyond my scope. So bringing in professionals who could come in and teach something that a lot of theater instructors feel insufficient in and getting these kids up on their feet and engaging everybody and providing a lot of fun, basic instruction that they could then take back to their schools. Also involving the directors, making the directors knowledgeable in the skill set that they're teaching so that they go back with it. And then they spend the day at the park. So it brings those seventh grade boys into it again and you say, this is an activity that your brain is going to associate with your theatrical development and that this is a place where you can have fun and learn, just like our music friends have been doing. So I started a music theater, I started a theater festival at a water park is what we've done. Uh, I went in, partnered with the music festival people and we're starting it together and the feedback has been tremendous. Uh, it's a little bit of having to explain to the administrators that this is something that is valuable to students. However, in our area, almost every district is already sending these same schools to this same facility for a music festival. So they just have to get the right words and get the you know, right um, explanation to the principals to make sure they understand. I have one school that's using it as a reward for students, they're having a difficult time getting um, engagement from kids. So they have a whole list of ways that you qualify to go. Uh, conversely, I have a whole other place that's bringing every kid they have, every kid they have, because they want to carpet bomb the place with fun and show them that this is something that theater does too. Uh, in my own school district, we have some bringing ninth graders, trying to see if the same is true. We have a bunch of, as you know, in high school, you have 
um, a bunch of intro students that get put in theater or any class because they're looking for like either fine art credit. And frankly, they're not going to take band in ninth grade. You don't really get a bunch of just, I'm going to opt into the French horn uh, my junior year. They don't get a bunch of new students, which by the way, is the reason they, they do so much recruiting and retention activities at the junior high, because for them, it is harder to recruit at the high school. That's not our challenge. We can still recruit and we can have you join us at any age. You don't have to have prior experience to be in theater one or theater two. So we're using it that school is using it too, and other schools are using it too, to see if ninth graders will respond in the same way. Will they find this interesting? Improv works at all ages, obviously, but does the water park component have any sort of benefit? Is it just a day off from school? That isn't really the point. So I don't know, we'll see. It's our first year to do it. Like I said, it really a lot of positive feedback, but what I'd like to see is in a year or two or three is if it's helped in retention. Some districts are really struggling with numbers, especially those districts that were asked to sit out an entire year because of COVID and their numbers just haven't come back and they are fighting. And as you know, our job is to educate students, but we can't do that if we, if we don't have the support and the way you get more colleagues, more directors, more support is you get more kids interested. So it's a, you know, a never ending cycle of recruiting kids so that you can get more educators so that you can reach the kids. And you can't do that if people are exhausted. And that's what my junior high teachers said. They said, um, we would love more students so we could get more help because they're stretched thin too. I don't know. This is just one small piece that may entice some kids. I know it's worked for music. I can tell you right now, like well, I say right now, actually this was um, probably a couple weeks ago that I heard this, so these numbers have probably gone up, but the music festival that is happening at the Epic Waters Park already has 10,000 kids enrolled uh, up until December, I think. So the fall has 10,000 music students coming to it. Uh, and these are the same schools in the same districts that have theater departments. So I don't know. That's incredible. So where where do they go to sign up? Well, this teacher has to sign them up. Uh, okay. We are unfortunately have a very clunky website name due to like, finding out that other people have similar names of things, yeah. not necessarily water park theater festivals, but things. So it's the epic waters theater festival.com. Okay. And if you Google any form of that, it should come up. Uh, and it should, it has a ton of information, including a contact page where they can reach me or my partner and find out a little bit more about what it looks like there and how much it costs and all that stuff. That's really cool. Well, you seem and sound very, very passionate about it. And I, I love that you're doing this. Uh, I, you know, it kind of makes me jealous of the fact that I didn't have some sort of opportunity like this when I was a kid, because I, I don't, you know, I, I got bit by the bug pretty early, but would I have taken advantage of something like this? You know, heck yeah, I would have. So, you know, I think, I think down here, a lot of people, uh, I know it's probably too soon to mention the word astral world, but um, that, you know, that was a big element of most of the people my age, most of our childhood, you know, was centered around Astroworld and they ha were very supportive in the arts. So I think that's good on you. That's a good recognition on your part to kind of see this thing could be, uh, of value and of benefit to not, not just the students, but also the programs and the growth and all that kind of stuff. So good on you. Well, I hope so. It's like I said, we're kind of in the infancy but everyone I talk to here, 
is excited at the possibility. And so it's just getting the word out and it's just letting people know that it exists because they don't even know to think about it. You just yeah. haven't had that. Uh, we do have Six Flags and there I, I took high school kids to Six Flags all the time, uh, but I wouldn't say that they have an artistic component up here at least. We just went on a Saturday for like team building yeah. and that's great. And that's really fun, but it doesn't necessarily have a curriculum component and it doesn't give you the added, we're getting out of school to go learn, but also play yeah. component. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Minor wisdom.